you're going to have to stretch your brains today. Okay? Um, just, I'm just warning you ahead of time. No, I'm not going to do the Hebrew language or the Greek language. But there's a lot of things that go through your life that you're not paying attention to. And it will, if you paid attention to it, your giving would change. Okay? Let's pray. Father, give us ears to hear and eyes to see. Father, as you over these last few weeks have just flat out overwhelmed me, I pray for these precious souls that they will be overwhelmed by what you have already done. Help us, Lord. Help us to see. Help us to change our hearts, to change our focuses. Have ears to hear you. As we sang this morning, this is your world. Help us to understand that. In Christ's name, amen. Now, brethren, we wish to make known to you the grace of God is given to the churches of Macedonia and that the great ordeal of affliction, their abundance of joy and their deep poverty overflowed in the wealth of their liberality. For I testify that according to their ability, beyond their ability, they gave of their own accord, begging us with much urging for the favor of participation in the support of the saints. That's my goal. To make each and every one of you to beg to give more in the participation of the saints. Been looking at money kind of as a, a foundation to move off of. And last week I showed how not to acquire money. Okay, don't steal it. Uh, don't take it from the needy. Don't defraud people. And no gambling. And I said that this week we would get into how do I acquire money? What is the appropriate way to get money? But I was telling my Sunday school class, I got on a rabbit's trail and ended up finding a water buffalo. Uh, so I want to share with you my rabbit's trail and where it led. Acquiring, but before we do that, we need to understand. I, I'd give anything if people could get a grasp on the understanding of what wealth, money, and possessions is. Okay? We've already looked at the morality of money, and the morality of money is neutral. But I also showed you biblically that it is a direct barometer of the spiritual character of the individual. I showed you that the love of money shouldn't be an idol. You should never put your dependence on your possessions, your wealth, or your money. Now, how do we get money? How does God want us to acquire or does God want us to acquire? There are huge numbers of Christians who believe that true Christians, the height of righteousness is to live on bare necessities. 
Okay, a vow of poverty, the bare needs. You should at all costs avoid all comfort and definitely avoid luxury. And that is your righteousness. That's how you display it. That would be God's highest calling. Because then you know God will provide your needs. Okay, question. Is that what God wants? Is that what was God's design? Any comfort, any luxuries that are not necessities. Now, what I mean by necessities, eat, sleep, okay, shelter. Anything beyond that is luxury. You know, truth of the matter is, God has provided us uh, a means of various levels of wealth, even in just this group. And we need to understand this. And I believe that we need to go back to the beginnings. And I'm talking about the beginning. I'm talking Genesis 1. God created the material world. Do we understand that? Okay. The, the physical existence is God's creation. Did you know that space was created by God? Okay. The fact that there is space is God's creation. And did you understand that this physical thing that he created is temporary? It is a perishing earth. Jim Boyce is in glory. Great Presbyterian out of Philadelphia. Made a quote one time and I was stunned when he made it. But as I think more about it, um, he was right. You like those brainiacs, they throw something out and you're like, what? His quote was, it is a disposable planet. Interesting thought. It will not last forever. It will be used up and it will go out of existence. Heaven and earth will pass away Okay, so I want you to think about the planet because I get these questions. I hope I don't offend you, but you'll just have to put your big boy drawers on. My little doggy died. Will I see it in heaven? You want me to make you feel good or you want me to tell you the truth? I didn't get no answers out of that, did I? <laughs> Lied to me, man. Lied to me. <laughs> Don't have no soul. It's one creature on the whole of existence that has a soul. I, you know, I don't care how cute your cat was. But I think you're missing the point. I know you're missing the point. I hope I can help you with that today. Because when you think about acquiring possessions and wealth and money, do you understand it's temporary? This is not an eternal place. God created this for a brief purpose. 
It is to be the habitat of humanity for a few thousand years. Period. It is a disposable, soulless creation. I don't care how much you love it. It isn't eternal. There is no lasting purpose. Um, was it last year? I think it's last year I was up seeing Mount Rushmore. It's awesome to see. There's this one cave you go th- driving through on the way, on the back through, and you come around the corner, and it's cut through three separate rock formations, and you look straight through. It's like looking through a tunnel at Mount Rushmore. It will not exist. Poof. Poof. God will unevolve it, devolve it. It was devi- designed by God for man to use. This is extraordinarily important. It has no heavenly value. It's God's design, and it was for brief purpose, and it was for the purpose to enrich man's life. Listen, if he didn't want us to just use it to en- enrich our lives, he could have put us on the moon. Do you understand that? He put us here because he says, look at the wonder. Let's be realistic. A deep theological understanding. The earth is cool. Do you understand that the earth has everything we will ever need as a mortal? It's all in coming. You're lacking nothing. But understand, whatever you have in this world is temporary. I don't care what it is. You have nothing eternal here. Nothing. Man was made into the image of God, Genesis says. Verse 26, Genesis 1. God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let him rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, over the cattle and over all of the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And I listen to people try to explain to me, well, God has a hand span. God does. No, God's eternal. Man was created eternal into the image of God. Listen, God uses phrases to explain things that you and I can't grasp. The span of his hand is creation. That means he's like big. Okay, the waters fit in the hollow of his hand. Okay, he doesn't. I heard a guy preaching. Well, he's only about six foot tall. God is only about six foot tall. Then creation is a lot smaller than I thought it was. Here I thought I was getting into something big. 
He gave man dominion over all of this planet. Man is superior in design. I know there's an awful lot of people out there that say, well, no, dolphins are smarter. Show me the hospital that a dolphin built. So I'll ask. Show me one. They're so brilliant. Man is superior in his responsibilities. Man is superior in his capabilities. Man is superior in his authority. And man, get ready. Man is superior in his value. Because man will live forever. He's an eternal being. Earth and all it contains is to provide for man the richness of man's life. Okay, theologians call this common grace. Common grace. You can be a believer or a non-believer, and there is so much awesomeness on this planet that everyone is blessed. Okay? You read on to that verse right there. God blessed them. And he said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and what? Subdue it. Hmm. But I thought we were causing climate change. No, you thought too hard. We are to use this up. It is disposable. It is to be used. Rule over it, the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, over every living thing that moves on the earth. Then God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the surface of all of the earth. Every tree and every fruit yielding seed, it shall be food for you. And to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the sky and to everything that moves on the earth which has life, I have given every green plant for food, and it was so. Do you understand something about this text? Something just jumps right out at me at this text. Okay? I mean, it's just, boom! This is God's command. He's not saying preserve it. He's saying... Use it up. Use it up. Listen, I this is completely against all the enviros. Those people think we're supposed to preserve this thing are out of their gourds. They're in direct offense to what God has commanded. When you start putting a horned owl ahead of a human being, you are against God. Do you understand that? Listen... Do you believe in the dodo bird? Where is it? It's gone. But it was good eating. It tastes like chicken. And you use it up. People are nuts. I've never seen anything like it. I remember people got mad and left this church because they found out I went hunting. There's a difference between hunting and finding.
All right. But people say, well, how could you do that? Do you eat at McDonald's? Yes. How could you do that? See what I'm trying to get at, people? It was all commanded that we were to take care of it. We are to study it. We are to cultivate it. We are to tame it. We are to use it. And we are to enjoy it. We are to draw its riches. The whole of creation is for man to use and to enjoy. The whole of creation. We, human beings, we are in charge. We are in charge of all of it. Then I want you to think about something. That's what he's just told us to do. Verse 31 says, God saw all that he had made and behold, it was very good. You know why? There's absolutely nothing like it. Think about it. I want you to think about this. Stretch your brain out. This creation was created for you and I so that we would see God. There is a right of use for the material world. Use it up. Do you understand the ability to smell a flower? Where did that come from? God did it. The beauty of a sunset. Where did that come from? God did it. To taste something. God did it. Did you know that it's all unique? You can take a hamburger and add a little green stuff here and it tastes different. You add a little brown stuff here, it tastes different. It's all unique and no two are the same. You got, we got cottonwood trees out here. I'll give any person who can get me two identical cottonwood leaves. Two identical cottonwood leaves. I'll give you a million bucks. Get two identical cottonwood leaves. Can't get them. Let alone if it's a sycamore or a hickory or a walnut or a maple. God created it. He says, enjoy this. Yesterday more, yesterday I was here at the church and the winds was coming up out of the south and the cotton fuzz was blowing and I looked outside it looked like it was snowing. I mean, the parking lot was covered in white and I'm sitting there going, well, that's odd. And then I turned the exhaust fan on and it was sucking that stuff through the screen and it looked like it was snowing in my office. And I said, better go to plan B. Okay? But God did that. You know, people says, well, you can't kill trees. How am I going to make a bat? How do I play baseball if I can't kill a tree? Important things. There is a righteousness in God's creation. It was very good. You know what? His creation still is. We are the weak link. His creation is awesome. It pleases Him. It pleases our Creator for us to use it as a gift from Him. That's common grace. And common grace is to all humanity. Live richly, but live thankfully. God made a very good world for us. And God knew it was just going to be temporary. 
He gave it for yours and my joy. It's a gift. Creation is a gift from God to make man's life enjoyable. The beauty of this place, let's be realistic, it's breathtaking. I don't even care where you are. The first time I drove across Kansas, I was in awe of Kansas. Now, I only had to do that once. Okay, I mean, well, that breathtaking was gone. Let's move on. There's infinite variety. There's infinite joy. There's infinite things to see. There's infinite things to smell. There's infinite things to taste. It's endless. And yet all of that infinite stuff has no lasting value. None. There's no lasting value. Why? Well, it shows his love, shows his generosity, and it shows the lavishness of his character. If you just look at creation, it should be enough to make you thankful. I don't care what it is. I mean, you ever watch the hummingbird? What a rush. What a rush. You know what is even more bizarre? I seen a hummingbird that stopped. I didn't think they stopped. But they got little bitty wings and all of a sudden they... Bowling up to the side and it was sitting there and I was sitting there going, really? It must have run out of amphetamine. It brings a thankful heart to us and it should cause us to praise the glory of God and it should be, the next thing would be obedience. Subdue it. Okay, now I want to go back to those of you who are crushed to think that your pet dog or your pet whatever didn't go to heaven. Well, let me tell you. Okay, you know, I've had multiple dogs and had to bury them. I mean, some of you may have been attached to your goldfish, whatever. I don't care. Let me explain something to you. If that's what we have in the temporary, what do we have in the eternal? You ever thought about that? If he's doing that in the temporary, what does he have in the eternal? Well, but he says, the lion will lay down with the lamb. Up, be careful. When is that? The millennial kingdom. The millennial kingdom. Okay, it's just for a thousand years. Then what? He obliterates it. It's gone. It's de-evolved. He destroys it. It literally means that its molecules are completely separated. But he has heaven. What's in heaven? Oh, no. But I can tell you this. It's not touched by sin. If this is what I see in his temporary, what is his permanent? And I, we look around. I mean, the ability to taste. You can take one steak one day and it tastes excellent. And then all of a sudden you'll put a little spice on it. And it's even better the second time. It's kind of like pizza. It's better for breakfast cold. It's still the same pizza. But that's God's creation, people. I, you know, I listen. I hear all the dietary things and all the rest of it. He said, I made it all for you. Which would that be? All. Just eat and give thanks. 
Well, but I need this or I need... Would you please listen to what your Bible says? And awe of heaven, the endless resources that he has placed on this temporary place. You know, I was thinking about this. A silkworm? It makes silk. For what? Dresses, slips, suits. God made it. And then he gave you and I the capability to say, hey, you know, if I take all that little thread right there, put it in there and weave it all together, look, look what I got. How about cotton? You ever seen a cotton field? And the nastiest bunch of plants I've ever seen in my life. They're awful. And you don't want to walk through them. It's like walking through a briar patch. But all of a sudden you get this cotton out of it. You put it together, you put a cotton gin together, somebody come up with that idea, hey, put a cotton gin together, then I weave it together, and look, I got a t-shirt. Think about it, people. Look at the resources he gave us. You know what? If we hadn't figured out a use for oil, Henry Ford looks like a fool. Look, I got a car. What does it do? Sits there. Rubber from a tree. Oh, I can make a tire or a Super Bowl. Have, you've got to think about this. When you think about acquiring riches, do you realize how much riches you already have just because you're on this planet? What if it has stuck our butts on the moon? That's pretty. I wonder what that big blue ball is that keeps coming up over on the corner. It looks nicer than our place. But see, if you lived on the moon, you don't have the resources or the abilities or the minerals to make a rocket to come back to Earth. You have to have the resources of the planet Earth to get to and fro. You don't have that on the moon. Well, we think we found water. Really? What are you going to do with that? That, do you realize how... We think there's water on the Mars. I've seen pictures from Mars. Nice neighborhood. Red dirt and rocks. Well, we think there was water here. Well, it doesn't look like there's any right now. What I'm trying to get at is there's only one place like this planet. All the riches that God has placed on this one globe. All the riches God has given for man. God has given the resources and then he put a superior being on it with the capabilities to enjoy it. Then the fall. Goodness was already made. The very good. But the freedom of the garden damaged us. Sin is not enjoying it. Sin is overindulgence of it. I've seen some photos from, uh, from uh, NASA. The North Korean Peninsula at night. Okay? It's stunning. It's flat out stunning. There's one little light where Pyongyang is, the capital, and it's black. It's black. There's nothing there. And then you go just below the 38th parallel, it's lit up like 4th of July. 
But that's what happens when you say there is no God. God says, sit in the dark. Your only conclusion is you can make a nuclear bomb. Bravo! So you can blow things up. You got a brilliance going on, brother. And sin is being self-centered. Self-indulgence. Because the wealth and the possessions and the money of this planet, God has given and he said it was very good. When you put self in the wrong place, the wrong heart attitude, then it becomes corrupt. If we are enjoying the riches of what God has given us and we are giving him the thanks for what he has given us, it turns to listening and it turns to obedience to God. You start being grateful. And you will start using it the right way. But you still use it. You still use it. God made us rich in all of his creation. Gather wealth as an individual, as he sees sovereignly fit for each and every one of us. You know what? If you think about it, some are very rich. This country, you take the poorest person in this country, and he's probably more wealthy than 90% of the rest of the world population. The poorest person in this country. But I want to share with you something. Life is but a vapor. It is temporary. If you live to be 100 years old, which is pretty old these days. Okay, my great-grandfather lived to be 103. Okay, he got a ticket for rearing a horse in Miamisburg, Ohio. And he watched man walk on the moon. Not bad. Okay. But if you take... That 103, and you put it on the eternal dot timeline, it don't make a dot. It is his glory, it is his purpose, and you know what? Even the wicked of this planet are under God's goodness. Again, theologians call it common grace. This planet is loaded with riches and jewels, and they're there. They're everywhere. I remember a friend of mine was doing special forces. He was coming up through the hills of Thailand. And he started looking down on the ground at these little boonie trails going up over the ridge. And he kept looking, seeing these red stones. And he picked one up, just a red stone. It says about half the size of his fist. And he says, well, that's the prettiest stone I've ever seen in my life. And he says they were everywhere. They're just laying there all over the place. He said they're kind of cute. So he puts one in his pocket and they did their mission. And he got back to base and he showed it to his uh, NCO. And he says, what is that? And the guy looked at it and says, it's a ruby. He says, it's a what? He says, it's a ruby. And he says, they're just laying along the trail. He says, them people ain't got no use for them. You don't have to dig them up. You just pick them up. Now, as a hostile neighborhood, those are not mosquitoes going past your head. Okay? But I thought, isn't that the way it is, though? Someone said, and I quote, Human delight 
is an expression of God's glory, unquote. But the attitude of your heart has to be this. Enjoy it. But realize that it's not eternal. Let me give you another text. Today we are having our church dinner. I thought this was very appropriate. Genesis 8, verse 20. This is after the flood. The waters have receded. Noah comes out of the boat. Noah built an altar to the Lord, took every clean animal and every clean bird, and he offered it a burnt offering on the altar. Okay? Look what the next verse says. The Lord smelled the soothing aroma, and the Lord said to himself, I will never again curse the ground on the account of man. You know what I like? You know what that verse is? God likes barbecue. That's what that is. You Now listen, I'm not reading into it. When you ate an offering at the altar, what happened to the meat? Half of it you ate, half of it was burnt to God. The, the Levitical priesthood, how did they eat? People bringing lamb in, I get the leg of lamb and you can have the back strap. And you know what it says? God said it's a soothing aroma. Listen, is not barbecue a soothing aroma? Some more truth out of Scripture. I think it's awesome. He created it for us to enjoy it. Do you understand that? He did that. Think now. I want you to think with me for a minute. This is one of the reasons I'm not into sushi. Okay, it don't have an odor that I'm real fond of, and I'm not sure you're, you're missing the aroma part. Now, if you take that same piece of fish and you cook it, it gives a soothing aroma. Okay, now my kids or two of my kids think sushi is the greatest, <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> um, Have you ever thought about the fragrances of food? Have you ever thought about that? I read this and says, wow, man, that's a soothing aroma. It was of the clean bird and the clean animals. And wow, you know, I will never again curse the ground of on account of man. Okay. For the intent of man's heart is evil from his youth, and I will never again destroy every living thing as I have done. Now, he's coming off the flood. He destroyed all the living things. The only things that were left is what was in Noah's boat. Okay? He says, I'm not going to do that again. Even with the evilness of man's heart. While the earth remains, here's what he says. Seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. You know what that means? You can't affect climate change. That's what the Bible says. And then I think about it, and he's offering this up, and this aroma is rising up, and God says, that is a precious smell. And I think about all of the smells that we get from food. Think about it. You can smell it. And where did that come from? God made it. 
And he made it for us to enjoy it. Look at chapter 9. And God blessed Noah and his son. He said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. The fear of you and the terror of you will be on every beast of the earth and on every bird in the sky with everything that creeps on the ground and all the fish of the seas into your hand will be given. Every moving thing that is alive. What does it say? Shall be food to you. That's why they don't, they're afraid of us. Okay? You know what he said? Subdue it and take charge of it. You know, I, I listen to people. Uh, my father, my father grew up in the hill country of Kentucky and West Virginia, the, his family. And they were coal miners. Okay? Uh, grew up coal miners. I mean, it's uh, part of the reason that he uh, enlisted in the Marine Corps is so that he didn't have to spend any more time in, in coal mines. And I thought, well, that's... and that was his first combat was the second wave at Iwo Jima. <laughs> the coal mines looked really good then, didn't they? But anyway, um, so my son decides he's going to get a degree in geology, which I've always sort of what <laughs> and. You know what he's doing? <laughs> Coal mining. <laughs> yeah, whatever. You went to college to coal mine. You know, there's another way of doing that, right? <laughs> but anyway. Um, but people try to tell me that it was because of the industrialization of the, United, uh, of, uh, the industrial age that that's where we got our mining from. The oldest book in the Bible is the book of Job. If you believe that, that this was just a movement of the industrial community, then you need to reconcile some things with Job 28. Because that's all that is, is mining. Okay? Um, And yet we delight in the things that we dig out of the ground. I I watched my wife the other day. She was out digging in the dirt. And I was like, girls like to play in the dirt. Guys had to pay to do that. And and my wife says, no, I'll dig up and put a flower in it. And I'm like, no, I'll dig it and put a pipe in it. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) But I don't have to water mine. I don't have to worry about it growing no more. We glorify God, we thank God, and in that gratitude, we obey God. We embrace the hope of heaven. We start looking around, we say, how magnificent this place is. The aromas of this place. I love the smell of lilacs. I love the smell of lilacs. They just, they, I stand in awe of lilacs. And then, but they just come and they're gone. You're like, well, that's a ripoff. So I'm hoping that in heaven, there are eternal lilac bushes. They don't ever lose their smell. They don't ever lose their little flowers on them. And I can just frolic through the lilac bushes as I worship God. See, if I embrace the hope of heaven, then that is the real check on my heart. If I look around, remember what he told the Corinthians? What do you have that you did not receive? I'll ask you. What do you have that you did not receive? Let us enjoy the comforts. Let us enjoy the delights. But let us do it with a thankful heart.
There's nothing wrong with enjoying them. There's nothing wrong with subduing it and taming it. There's nothing wrong with enjoying what this world produces. We'll give you another one. Written by a guy named Moses. It's called the second law. Deuteronomy chapter 14. Beginning. 22. He's getting ready to take Israel into the promised land. And he says, I'm going to give you the second law. The second law is what you're supposed to do and not do once you get into the promised land. Okay. One of the things you're supposed to do. You shall surely tithe all the produce from what you sow, which comes out of the field every year. Did you understand what he just said there? He didn't say give the net income. He said give all. I want tenth of all that you produce. Okay, now I want you to think about something. Because I watch people and, and we're always worried about uh, all the babies are being born in the zoo now. Okay, and they're cute little buggers, ain't they? And you all go, oh. And then, but they always like to throw this in. You know, there's like only 2,000 of these left on the planet. Okay, and I, I sit there and I go, how much money are we trying to keep from these things being extinct? And that ain't what God tells us to do. You shall eat in the presence of the Lord your God at the place that he chooses. Okay, now understand at the writing of this, it's the tabernacle. Okay, so it moves. Wherever the house of the Lord is, is the tabernacle. Wherever that's at, that's where he's at. And you're supposed to come to the tabernacle and you're supposed to eat there. Uh, where he chooses to establish his name, the tithe of your grain, your new wine, your oil, the firstborn of your herd, your flock, so that you may learn to fear the Lord your God always. Okay? Now look what he says here. If the distance is so great that you are not able to bring the tithe. Okay, what does he say? Of everything you got, 10%. All right? Since the place where the Lord your God chooses, if the distance is too great, uh, since the place where your Lord God chooses to set his name is too far away from you, when the Lord your God blesses you, then you shall exchange it for money. Sell your what? Your oil, your new wine, your grain, your firstborn of your herds, firstborn of your flocks, sell them. Okay? Bind the money in your hand, go to the place where the Lord your God chooses, where the tabernacle will be. You will spend the money on whatever your hearts desire, for oxen, sheep, wine, strong drink, or whatever your hearts desire, and there you shall eat in the presence of the Lord your God and rejoice in you and your household. Also, you shall not neglect the Levite. Okay, this is the priest who is in your town, for he has no portion or inheritance among you. But out of every third year, you shall bring out all the tithe of your produce in that year. Shall deposit it in your town. The Levite, because he has no portion or inheritance among you, the alien, the orphan, and the widow who are in your town shall come and eat and be satisfied in order that the Lord God may bless you in all of the work of your hands which you do. Did you hear what he just said there? I'm going to bless you and you're going to have more than you need and I want a tenth of all of it. And if it's too far for you to travel, then you sell it where you're at Bring the money and buy 
and eat before the Lord. And then on the third year, I want an extra tithe. And that goes to your town. And it is to help with your priest. And it also to help with the orphans and the widows. And it takes care of any strangers that are coming through that have need. Okay? We are here to use it. We are not here to preserve it. We're not here to abuse it. Because we use it for a brief time. He wanted a tenth of everything. Share with those who don't have. The text that he read out of Amos today, do you know what those people's problem was? The cows? Do you know what the problem was? They were heaving to themselves and not taking care of the poor. That's great to call the women of Israel cows. I don't know who should be more mad, the cows or the women of Israel. As we receive the riches of this world, we are to share them generously. Remember in 1 Timothy chapter 6, teach the rich to share generously so they do not become conceited. Back up a little bit. I'll I'll show you another one here that's kind of fascinating out of Deuteronomy chapter 8, 7, 9 following. The Lord your God is bringing you into a good land. A land of brooks, of water, of fountains, of springs flowing forth in the valleys and hills. A land of wheat, Barley, of vines and fig trees, pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey, a land where you will eat food without scarcity, in which you will not lack anything, a land whose stones are iron, whose hills you can dig copper. There's more mining again. The world is loaded. Why? That is the heart of God. No problem. Verse 9, look at that. A land where you will eat without scarcity. The psalmist tells us, if you walk in my righteousness, you will never hunger nor thirst. Be satisfied. Praise the Lord. Bless the Lord. Enjoy. Delight. Give Him thanks. Okay? But there's one word that I always pay attention to in the Old Testament. And it's the first word of verse 11. Beware. Beware. When God says, beware, we should really, really, really pay attention to what he says next. Look what he says. That you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments, his ordinances, his statutes, which I am commanding you today. Otherwise, when you have eaten and are satisfied, have built good houses and live in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply, and your silver and your gold multiplies, and all that you have multiplies, then your heart will become proud, and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. What do we do? The same thing. God did it. 
God put it all here. Did you see that? When you're gold and you're silver, what does he say? Multiplies. He's not saying it's wrong to have it. He's not saying it's wrong to acquire it. He's not saying it's wrong to have a house and it live in it. He's not saying it's wrong to have food and have stockpiles of food. That's not what he's saying. He says, but your heart attitude better be like mine. And if you see somebody who's in need, you better take from the blessings I've already given you and pour lavishly upon them. That's what's being said here, people. To acquire wealth is not evil. There is no value and there's no vow of poverty. But if your heart's wrong, you will forget the Lord your God. In the wilderness, he fed you manna, which your fathers did not know. That he might humble you and he might test you to do good for you in the end. That proud heart again, people. A proud heart will forget God. Because a proud heart, when you have your riches, when you have your house, when you have all the comforts and the luxuries that you believe that you're in need of, the first thing you will say is, same thing that Nebuchadnezzar said. Look what I've done. Remember, whatever he gives you, he gave it so you would worship and thank him. I don't care what it is. Well, I just don't have that much. Perhaps you don't worship and thank him enough. Listen, I'm not into prosperity gospel. That's not what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say is you have the riches and the wealth of this entire planet before us. And God gave them to us to have enjoy, and delight in as long as we keep our heart to him. Look, verse 18 and 19. But you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who is going to give you power to what? To make wealth. That he may confirm his covenant and that he swore to your fathers as it is this day. It shall come about if you forget the Lord your God and go after other gods and serve them and worship them. I testify against you today. You will surely perish. Same principle. Wealth, possessions, money is a barometer of your spiritual character. What you do with your money is directly proportionate to what your spiritual condition is. I don't care who you are. I don't care how much you got. We delight. We enjoy what this creation is. We thank God. We have the benefit from the riches of this earth. And we can all enjoy it. I mean, you know, I was thinking about this. It's the genius of free enterprise. Don't bind them, allow them. We all are different. Every single one of us in this room are different. Identical twins are different. There is no one like any of you anywhere, nor will there ever be. We are all unique. We are not one. We're not one race of people and we all going to make the same amount of money, do the same jobs, do the same. No, some of us are creative. Some of us are not. Some of us are better followers. Some of us are leaders. 
Some of us have an intellect. Some of us have common sense. And it goes back and forth. And that's the way God designed it. And when you put them all together, then there is riches to be harvested. Some have made all of us rich. I think about music. I think about electronics. I think about engineers. I think about corporations and all the gather benefits. I think about all of those. You know, it's funny because I listen to it. It says, well, corporations need to pay taxes. Let me tell you something. I've had five corporations in my life. Not one of them ever paid a penny in tax. My customers did. It was part of the bill. But my corporations hired people. And those people paid taxes. I don't understand envy. We envy people. Why do you envy people? Because they got a bunch of money? Perhaps they work harder. Perhaps they worship and are thankful, more thankful than you. Perhaps God gave them a different mentality than you. Enjoy the riches of this life. True wealth. Understand this. True wealth is eternal. Be thankful. This pleases God. And it is the right heart attitude. And what you do from that moment on will be right before God. And you'll stand in righteousness. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the amazing things you do. Lord, I am overwhelmed by you. Father, I think about this planet. I think about the amazing things that are here and the riches that you have provided. Father, may we never take it for granted. Father, may they never become an idol to us. And may we press on to the upward calling of Christ, rejoicing at the wealth that you've lavished on every one of us in this room. And yet, Father, may we be stewards of it, that when we have a brother or sister in need who need to delight in the riches of God's creation, we will be in the position to help them to delight. To your glory and praise. Amen.